Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to a good football show. I am Matt Straup, and today our focus turns once again to the NFL draft. We'll be looking at the position that could be the most single-handedly top-heavy in the entire draft, plus the draft needs of the NFL teams in the AFC North. I'm joined by Thor Nystrom and Hayden Winks. Guys, I feel like we covered some pretty legitimate ground in the running back and wide receiver episodes recently, so certainly check those out for any of you who missed those the last couple weeks. But today, we dropped the hammer. This is the big one. This I don't even know if the world is ready for this. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Are you guys ready for this one? I'm ready. I mean, when you can talk about tight ends, how good the fantasy position has been in tight end recently, Like you have to get really excited for these run blockers. <laughs> Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. There is at least one potential star in this tight end class, and that's where the conversation obviously has to begin. That's Florida's Kyle Pitts. He busted out for 770 yards and 12 touchdowns in just eight games this season. Thor, what is to like about Pitts as a prospect? What isn't? 
I mean, like, I think the argument with him, it, it more becomes historical as opposed to talking about him with the other tight end prospects in this class, because that, that's no comparison. But it becomes like, is is he the best tight end prospect since, uh, you know, is it Tony Gonzalez? Is it is it Vernon Davis? Is it ever? So that that's a more interesting thing with him. Um, and then the other thing is, if he was a wide receiver, if he was just considered a wide receiver in this class, would you have him? wide receiver three, wide receiver two, wide receiver one. So those are more the things that, you know, as, as far as uh, in the Florida offense, he basically was able to line up anywhere. So he lined up outside, you know, sometimes it'd be Grimes on the one side. Grimes is a, is a really long kid as well. So that was sort of terrifying. And then inside you had Tony. Um, so it's just stupid, terrifying when they did that. Uh, but he can line up outside. He can line up in the slot. And of course he can line up in line. One of the very few nitpicks that you can make about Kyle Pitts coming into this year is that even though he gave effort as a blocker, he could get sort of ragdolled. He really made, and I, I mean, just tremendous credit to this kid because he is um, maybe the most natural pass catching tight end prospect that, that we've seen come into the league as far as how advanced he is at, at this point. And he really made an effort over this wonky COVID offseason when so many other first round prospects were opting out, deciding not to play. It really seems like this kid just got after it to get bigger, add muscle, and it seems like he also was studying blocking technique because he got a hell of a lot better as a blocker this season. He's never going to be TJ Hawkinson in, in that metric, but you're talking about a kid who is at the very least long, moves very well. Now he has technique, and he, he like I said, he gets after it. Um, for how gifted he is, the kid plays very hard. Uh, he, I mean, like he wants to be great. And, you know, that was one sign. Um, you, I mean, just like it's great as a player that he has become a well-rounded player. That That's just great in, in a vacuum. But I thought the other really cool thing about that as far as, you know, projecting him forward and stuff like that was it just gives you an insight into who he is as a person in terms of I'm going to go to work on every single deficiency in my game. And then just as far as a receiver, um, it's just special, special, special. It's 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 everything that you want. He he's six five two thirty nine. He has really really long arms. He's super duper fluid um, in the open field. You can't cover him with a linebacker or a safety one on one. He's he's bigger, longer, faster, and he's more agile. So it's 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 just impossible um, for any of those guys to cover him. You saw this at Florida all the time. He was always sort of open, and and you know fans are like, how is Kyle Pitts always open? You you know the ball is going to him. Well, who's going to stay with the guy? And even if you do have, uh, you know, even if you're able to get there at the catch point or you're double teaming him or whatever, again, you have this six five monster who can get higher in the air than anyone because he's also a big time leaper who can get up there and and high point the ball and just tremendous ball skills. And when I say tremendous ball skills, I'm talking about next level tremendous ball skills. This kid was always getting the ball downfield and, and doing all these different things on the routes and, you know, and contested catches, all this sort of stuff. He didn't drop a pass last year. That is stupid for the usage and the way that he was being it's stupid. Not only that, he didn't fumble a ball in college. I mean, you, you think about the, the, the amount of touches that he got in comparison to some of these other guys, not dropping passes, not fumbling the ball. Again, you're looking around for weaknesses in the game and in his game. And before, you know, we could have nitpicked the blocking quite a bit, but that has gotten to about average for an inline prospect coming in and is again is showing room for improvement. He could get better. And as a receiver, he's going to immediately come into the NFL and, and be he, he might be a top five uh, receiving tight end from day one. Um, and he should be the I mean, he could be the NFL's best receiving tight end in 
very short order. I mean, who knows? By his rookie year, that might be asking too much. But by his second year, um, maybe. I wanted to read you guys in closing um, two scouting quotes from the Bob McGinn piece on Pitts. You've heard my words, a few of my words about him. I just wanted to give you uh, an indication of what NFL scouts think about, about Kyle Pitts. Here's quote one from an NFL scout to McGinn. Kyle Pitts is better than the two guys from Iowa two years ago combined, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. He has Hall of Fame potential just as a receiver. Unique. Here's a second scout to McGinn. This scout said that his team had Kyle Pitts as the number two overall player in the draft. Overall. He said, you look at Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, the success they've had, there's no comparison as far as athletic ability to this guy. I usually don't go for that position that high, but I would take him in the top 10. He even tries to block, played hurt too. For a young quarterback, I'd like to have this guy on my team. He He's just a stud. He gets Darren Waller comps, but he's going to be better than Darren Waller, and you're not going to have to wait for it. It's going to be right away special, unique. Um, I mean, we, we could do this superlatives all day. He, he's a different thing coming into the league. One other stat, I'm sorry to, to keep going on. Last year, if you, if you did the yards per route run, him against any other tight end in the nation, his yards per route run, he had two more yards per route run than any other tight end in the nation. And if you were to have listed him as a receiver, Kyle Pitts, as opposed to a tight end, he would have finished number three in yards per route run as a receiver. It's again, it's just a different thing, a different thing when you're watching him, different thing going through his statistical projections, different, different, different. Um, he obviously he's tight end one for me. Um, he is also a top 10 um, overall prospect for me. Hayden, it sounds like Thor doesn't really like Pitts much, but let's just hear <laughs> if you have anything to say about him that can maybe shed some light on why he's a good player and what his fit is going to be in the pros. Yeah, I mean, analytical profile, he has the best adjusted production season of t- any tight end all time. Um, and depending on how he tests, he could be the best tight end prospect in my model. Um, it's like it maybe be either him or Vernon Davis. I think that there's a there's an argument that you can make that he sh- belongs ahead of Jamar Chase, Devonta, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddle. And the reason why is I'm looking at the the tight end contracts. George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, if they were their average salary right now is the wide receiver 17 and the wide receiver 18 if you compared it to those positions. And if you're looking at the names, give me Travis Kelsey over the the 17th best wide receiver. So I don't think that the position in in general is being evaluated high enough at the elite end. I don't think there's, a, there's only a couple of true difference makers at that position. But when you have one of those, the contract alone is ludicrous. So I think that there is an argument that you can put Kyle Pitts above the receivers um just if, if you put if i put kyle pitts into my wide receiver model he's a 97th percentile wide receiver so that's I mean, that is ridiculous that is ahead of jalen wild waddle and uh and like right next to devonta smith and jamar chase so he's amazing and the acceleration is unreal um he's gonna be the when you go to three by one sets like the what the chiefs do with travis kelsey he's gonna be by himself on the one side alone you're probably gonna have to double team him and i think that he's going to be a top 10 uh fantasy tight end uh possibly in year one it depends on the landing spot but i think that he could be like the travis kelsey george killer where he's like the number one target in an offense so um you really can't miss him i, I do think that the the biggest takeaway with kyle pitts is i think that there is discussion of are the elite tight ends being paid enough in the nfl because the wide receiver paychecks keep going up up and up and up so if you're going with the, the fifth year team option then the franchise tag all those contracts are going to be 
um, below market compared to the top tight ends. And if Kyle Pitts is as big of a baller as we assume he is, um, he's going to be looking pretty cheap. And the last thing I have, he's going to be 20, 20 years old when he starts his first NFL game, not drafted as a 20 year old starting in his first game. He's still going to be 20 years old. Um, that's younger than even I am. So, I mean, we're talking about a really young kid, lots of potential here. And yeah, I would draft him. He, he could be my sixth or seventh overall pick after, um, after the, the top five quarterbacks. He's just, yeah, he's super special. I jokingly said we were going to drop the hammer. I feel like you guys did just drop the hammer and you got me excited about this guy, a position that has been so thin, let's say for fantasy football purposes, getting a much needed infusion of an electric talent. So pretty exciting overall, you know, in real life and in fantasy to see Kyle Pitts coming to the league. Yeah. Thor, real quick, uh, Obviously, you and I both liked Fance and Hawkinson, and you were all on the board for Hawkinson, like top 10, like Hall of Fame potential, all that type of stuff. I have Pitts at a higher level than that. Is that is that fair? I mean, Hawkinson went eighth overall, and he's he's had a promising career. He doesn't get the usage that we'd like specifically, but um, he's on pace to be a really special player. Is, is Hawkinson is Pitts a, a, on another level than Hawkinson for you too? Yeah, yeah. And as you know, Hawkins is one of the my favorite right. prospects I've ever evaluated. Right. And and but yeah, Pitts is above him objectively, clearly. Um, just because it, you know the Florida staff when when they talk about Pitts, they always call him a unicorn, and because it's just a different thing. And so it's like, I mean, Hawkinson was sort of your prototypical inline guy, right? Whereas Pitts, you just can't compare him to anything because you're getting two things at once. You're getting, you know, a guy who could be one of the NFL's best receivers if he was just that. And you're also getting a guy who's going to be an awesome mid-line tight end. So we just haven't seen that before. So, yeah, I mean, he would have to be above um, that. And again, he, as you mentioned, with your model as well, the eyes, everything, he he might be the best tight end prospect ever. If he's not, he's one of the top three. Yep. The next name on our list has a tough act to follow, as do all of the <laughs> names we're going to talk about, the five tight end prospects or so. So next up is Penn State's Pat Fryermuth, and I think I said that name correctly. His season ended early due to a shoulder injury after just four games, 310 yards and one score this past season. Overall, didn't put up eye-catching numbers in college, Thor. So do you see a bigger ceiling for Fryermuth than what we saw in college as he heads to the pros? That's that was impressive pronunciation. I even after all the years I I saw watching him in, in Happy Valley, I I still was mispronouncing his name, and I'm not going to say I mean, maybe I, I just. Maybe you're saying it right, and I said it wrong. Yeah, because I'll, I'll just I'll just go back to the old way that I was saying it, which is which is not good. Um, I think that uh, Freermuth. Um, I, I think that uh, Freermuth is, and and you sort of said it there. It's like tough act to follow. You know, it's like you you come out after like the the opening act of a comedy act, it just slays, <laughs> and then you walk out, and you're like, hey guys, um, that's sort of what uh, what Freermuth is, right? Like, and he also he was around for a couple years where where he was a guy that people were talking about talking about but talking about. So he also has sort of of the nitpick thing going on and Hayden I saw your tweet uh, a day or two ago I think we are on the same page about about Fryermuth where um, we think he's being overlooked a bit and perhaps being underrated a bit because anyone's going to pale in comparison and I you know with their sort of number two in the class to uh, Kyle Pitts and so Fryer or Freermuth, uh, he, he doesn't get talked about much anymore, but I think he's a good um, inline prospect. And in a lot of classes here in the past couple of years, these crappy inline classes we've had, uh, Freermuth would easily have been the, the number one guy, you know, and I, I think he probably would have been viewed as a clear late first rounder. Um, so I, I think it's just sort of circumstance 
that right now he's being sort of consensusly looked at as a mid second rounder. The the things you get with him, it's more back to that prototypical um, inline thing. He he has the prototypical frame. And then he, it, with him, it's just big time power, you know, in every you know aspect of, of his game um, blocking. And then as a, a receiver um, after the catch, and this is, he, he was nicknamed baby Gronk with sort of the nickname he, he got in happy Valley. That's because after the catch, you know, you'd see him, there'd be like four guys, four Indiana defenders were like, you know, one was on his neck and one was around his waist and, you know, he's dragging him downfield or whatever. Um, so he's, he's a beast after the catch. Um, and like I said, he, he can really give you a, a you know, a jolt as a blocker he's a bit limited athletically but he's you know i mean he's he's a fine athlete um and as far as route running one thing i i appreciate is he's sort of a technician there that consistently is able to get separation even though he's not you know sort of you know obviously an athlete on on the level of like a a kyle pitts for instance he's gonna have to work on some things namely like you know for instance as a blocker um and i i think he can get a ton better as a blocker like right now he has the frame and he has the force um, and he plays with the intensity that got him that baby Gronk uh, nickname, but he's like, uh, um, you know, sort of like Dave Kingman, one of those guys in baseball, who's like always swinging for the fences. He really wants to pop you. And he is to this point in his career seems less concerned about, I, I used to play offensive line in, in high school and what blocking is really about. It's just about, you know, getting to the correct side and sealing the guy off. Right. Like you don't need to get a pancake every time. It's it's unnecessary and it wastes energy. And not only that, it's detrimental to your cause often. Right. Because you can you can overextend yourself or you can whatever your guy can you know get across your face, whatever. That's one issue, uh, for instance, uh, with Freermuth right now um, in his game is like he could play more under control um, in that area. And when he does, he's going to become a much better blocker. And he's going to be like, oh, actually, this is really easy to sort of seal guys off from the direction the ball carrier is going because I'm super big and I'm super strong and I try really hard. So all I have to do is just get my body on the on the play side. I don't have to you know, try to take this guy's head off. Um, and then as far as like receiving right now, it seems like he's more thinking about after the catch and, and stuff like that. Um, whereas I, I'd like to see him get... He he got fed a ton of targets at at Penn State. Um, unfortunately, uh, Sean Clifford uh, was not the most accurate quarterback. Um, probably didn't help uh, Friermuth in, in Friermuth in this area. But in contested catches, he wasn't the best as, as far as a guy that it was as big as he was. Um, so you'd like to see that. You'd like to see um, perhaps a little bit better in traffic, um, using his body um, and stuff like that. Because in the NFL, he's going to be seeing a lot more of that. But again, one thing that you do like is that he's able to create separation on the routes. So there's a lot to like about his game. And if he had come out in one of those classes the past couple of years, I think he might and you know would have gone 20, 25 slots ahead of where he's going to end up going just because of the circumstances of, of this class. But maybe he'll be a late riser. We'll see. What did you think about him, Hayden? Everyone says like mid second round, late second round. I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks in the bottom of the first round. He was way more fluid than I was expecting. Like you get a lot of these six five two sixty pounders, and they're just like blocking type. You're like, I don't really see like how he's going to catch 50, 50 balls in the NFL. I, I really do see that with with Fryermuth, and he was pretty productive as a uh, as a youngster. He had eight touchdowns as a freshman. Um, that was the second most at the position in all of college football. Um, stylistically kind of like Tyler Eifert, Hunter Henry, where you can get a, a little bit of blocking from him um, just because he's so big. 
Um, but I, I do think that he could be a, a pretty good pass catcher in the NFL. I thought he had good hands. He made this really sick one-handed grab where he then turned it upfield down the sideline for a touchdown. Got a decent truck, truck stick to his game, too. So um, lots of experience um, in line. I think 60% of his snaps were there at Penn State. And you're, you're obviously getting the Big Ten tight end type of vibe from him. But I think he was more fluid than that kind of profile uh, typically would suggest. So I'm going to have him higher than where the consensus is. I think that he would be a borderline tight end one in, in a lot of classes. Um, I don't think that he's the craziest difference maker, but we're talking about Hunter Henry right now, who's going to get paid like a, one of the top tight ends in the league, kind of like this like Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry range where um, you're getting a pretty good player. You're not getting the craziest target in, in, in the in the world, but um, I think that he can be a uh, number one tight end immediately. And I think that he's kind of being slept on for like how like prolific his profile was and how much we've been talking about him. So um, the baby Gronk nickname, not fair to him, but I do think that he is like a top of the second round, bottom of the first uh, first round type of guy. Back to the state of Florida, Miami's Brevin Jordan racked up 576 receiving yards and seven touchdowns in eight games as a junior what is your scouting report here, Thor? You guys know that I I, I live in Minneapolis, um, and and we got a a guy that uh, everyone here thinks is a tight end, but it actually really isn't. Uh, Irv Smith, Brevin Knight reminds me, or Brevin Knight. I just watched Brevin. You'll appreciate this, Matt. I, I just watched uh, 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 DeAndre Jordan uh, posterize Brevin Knight before I came on. I, the, the clip, you know, where he's the alley oop. Uh, anyway, was that just your inspiration, your pre-show hype, hype reel? I think it was. Yeah, Do you remember that? And then uh, Brevin Knight's like staring up at the at the Staples Center ceiling. He's like all days. Um, but um, as far as Jordan goes, he he reminds me of just like a um, he's like a sleeker slightly bigger version of Irv Smith, a slightly better athlete and a, and a little bit bigger is, is sort of what I think about, but he's, he's six, three, two forty five. Um, he moves really well. Um, as far as a move tight end, just a pure move uh, tight end in this class. Cause again, Pitts is, is both. Um, but if you were talking about a guy that's just sort of relegated to one, um, Jordan, you know, might be the best guy in, in the class. Um, very good receiver moves very well. He has very good speed. Um, so, you know, gets off the line. Well, gets into his routes quick, um, plays with purpose and stuff like that. Like he, he's the natural receiver and coming out of, of high school, like that's what it always was about Brevin Jordan. He was the top, you know, tight end recruit coming out of his class, um, went to Miami with like a lot of hype. And it was, you know, it was always the, the receiving thing, you know, that he was always expected to sort of be this game changing type uh, move tight end. And, and we saw a bit of that at Miami. He never became sort of like, I mean, he's not, he's not Kyle Pitts in part because he, he lacks the length for that. You know, I mean, he sort of has this, this H backy type um, frame and, and, and that's going to limit him a bit. And especially, you know, sort of in the areas of like, you know, playing on the inline and, and trying to block, you know, these monster long edge rushers in the NFL, um, which are, you know, Irv Smith is, is finding out about that. Brevin, um, Brevin Jordan, he, he gives effort as a blocker, but, you know, just because of the lack of length, the, the, the lack of, of strength, he's just not able to succeed against against guys like that. Um, but, you know, if, if your offense is looking for a guy that you can move around, that you can play in the slot um, and is going to help you just as far as a, a pure move tight end goes, he's going to be one of the better guys in this class that you can get just as far as that niche goes. Hey, before you jump in, to make this more of a brain puzzle, it was Brandon Knight that DeAndre Jordan oh, dunked Brandon on. Knight. So you have Brevin Jordan, DeAndre Jordan, Brandon Knight, yeah. and Brevin Knight. And if did, you did can, you see how my brain kept getting caught up I, in there? Yeah. My, I can't think about it too much or my brain will short circuit. So Hayden, please take us back to Brevin Jordan and your thoughts. 
Brevin Jordan, 87th percentile um, tight end prospect for now. Like athletic profiles matter more for, for this position than wide receiver. Um, so that could change a little bit. But I think he's a, a plus athlete. Um, lined up at slot or out wide on 63% of his snaps. And that just kind of goes to Thor's point where he's a little bit on the smaller side. Um, I comp him to like Jordan Reed, Johnny Smith, where you're not getting like elite blocking potential, but you're getting like a, a pretty good pass catcher. It could be like the number two or number three target on a team, depending on uh, where he lands. So um, I think that he's the last of this group um, where you can, there's a chance that he becomes a fantasy asset within the next two or three years. Um, we'll, we'll see about the, the next two guys that we're talking about, but yeah, I think that he's going to line up in the slot. Um, he's going to be able to, I mean, he's going to put on some weight, like all these guys put on some weight. So although he's not the greatest blocker right now, I think he can, he can improve there a little bit. And I think that his uh, second or third round evaluation is pretty fair. So I think he's going to be like a number three target on a team. Nothing too crazy, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has some like top 12 fantasy seasons down the line. Yeah. And just, you know, one other thought about him, you know, I coming in, I was, I was lower on, on Herb than other people. And I, I remain lower on Herb than other people. And I, I think I'm going to be lower on, uh, my, my tight end rankings, uh, you know, a teaser or whatever in, in the biz are, is coming out next week. Um, you know, and so we'll, we'll see then, but, um, I'm going to be lower on, on Jordan than, than other folks. Um, so, you know, my, my issues is not an inline guy. So it's basically, uh, sort of a slot receiver. And so, you know, it's, it's the same thing with Irv where with the Vikings, the trade-off becomes if, if you take Irv with your offense, you have to take a third receiver off of the field. And so with, uh, with Jordan, I think it's a similar, thing you know and his team drafting him knows that you know if, if we take him it's going to be really difficult to make him an inline tight end unless you don't want to play with an inline tight end you want to play three receivers well essentially four receivers with with him as well so, so you're going to have to change your offense in, in one way against a conventional thing um, either you're going to have to go the inline tight end with the H back or you're going to have to go you know, the, the three receivers with, with the H back. And like I said, um, he's always going to be overmatched as a blocker, but the, the other issue for him that's is kind of weird is, you know, even though he moves really well and he has, um, you know, the, the, he has really good speed as, as well. So that, you know, that's the exciting thing now is as far as the steam, you know, with his recruiting pedigree and stuff like that. But, you know, one of the reasons why even as a receiver, he never really took off in college is I question his ball skills a bit. You see the separation consistently. You also see after he gets the ball, like in the, the, you know, when he, when he's running downfield, he's very scary um, because he can both run away from, from linebackers and he can also run over uh, defensive backs. But the issue is, is he's just not very natural when the balls come into him. It doesn't see, you know, there's, I mean, Pitts is, is just so fluid. Um, another guy from a couple of classes ago that, that was sort of underrated in this aspect was uh, Sternberger where he was just sort of fluid in, um, you know, plucking the ball um, away from his body um, and continuing upfield without breaking stride. Jordan's not one of those guys. And that is really unfortunate because what the way that it manifests on the field is it plays down his athleticism, right? Because his athleticism plays fine from the snap until the moment the balls come in there. But he he has this sort of tendency to let the ball gobble him up. Sometimes he needs his his frame to help him uh, corral the ball. And all of that, what it serves to do is, is it, I mean, there's extra drops for sure, but it also takes him longer to convert from being a receiver to a runner, um, which you lose a little bit of that special sauce of, of him running after the catch. So just even as a what he is, I have some questions about that. So I think for most people in the industry, he's 
I think he's like tight end three. He's definitely going to be a, a bit lower for me. I, I have a few questions about him. All right, fourth on our list today is Boston College's Hunter Long, career highs of 57 catches, 685 yards, and five scores as a junior. Thor, what would an NFL team be getting in Hunter Long? They're getting a, a, a complete tight end. Um, it's it's the Friar Moose thing, um, but like less, like at a at a sticker price discount, but also um, sort of less of a, a player, l- less of a ceiling, I guess. Um, but the cool thing about Long is. Um, college football fans will know this Boston call. Well, and people NFL fans will know this too, because you guys are very familiar with AJ Dillon, right? So like last year during the draft, you watched all AJ Dillon's, you know, film and whatnot. And you saw um, that Boston college offense was just like, you know, heavy sets, run, 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 run. And so the previous offense that was under uh, this guy named Steve Adazio, it was the the heavy sets, downhill running game, lots of 12 sets, et cetera. And so that was the, the system that Long came up in. Um, and he developed into a very good, a very good run blocker. Then this past season, um, Boston College got a new coach, changed their system and got a competent quarterback for the first time in several years. Whereas before it was this, this little dual threat named uh, Brown that, that couldn't throw it downfield. This past year, they, they had imported this uh, transfer from Notre Dame named Phil Jerkovich and Jerkovich could, could wing it around a bit. Um, and so their, their offense went from this, just pound the ball with AJ Dillon, every single uh, play to, um, you know, I mean, throwing it more and, you know, particularly, you know, one of the guys that just had a huge benefit from this was, was long because, you know, he was used a ton in the intermediate area down the seam, um, et cetera. He made an enormous leap as a receiver. And that's obviously why we're talking about him this high in the draft. But what I like about him is he's already proven that he is an NFL caliber blocker as an inline tight end. So there's, there's no issues there. Um, and he proved last year that he has the ball skills and the route running to be able to project as um, I, I think at least an average uh, receiver um, out of the inline tight end spot in, in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to get a ton better than that. You know, he, he still has some raw elements. You know, people need to remember he, it was basically just a year where he was being deployed as, as sort of a real receiving tight end. And, and tight end, as people know, is, is traditionally a very slow developmental position anyway in translation uh, going to the NFL. So in terms of his receiving, you might have to give him a year, you know, as, as he keeps working there. Um, but coming in right away, he's going to be a good blocker. And again, at the very least, I, I think he's going to develop into a, a guy who's a, at the very least going to be reliable, uses his body well, catches the ball. So I, I think he's a rock solid guy. He, he's not going to be any, you know, a prospect that anyone's going to go nuts about. Like I would guess that the, the fan base of whoever drafts um, Jordan are going to go nuts because of his, his measurables, et cetera. But I think that Hunter Long's a better player. My model has uh, Hunter Long as a 67th percentile guy. My take with Hunter Long is you can't really have a strong take either way. Like he does whatever you need him to do. None of it except, uh, exceptionally well, but he can like run some routes for you. He's definitely going to block. It's 72% of the snaps were in line. Uh, the only thing I really have for him, he's he's a little bit on the older side, but you get that at tight end more so than some of the other positions because there's a little development period that has to go along. But Thor made some good points about how the, the offense changed and his production went up last year. So um, I don't think that he's crazy good. I think that he's a third round pick. He'll play and make some starts in the NFL. I don't think he's going to win you too many ball games. He's not going to lose you too many ball games either. So um, he's like the exact profile. Like, oh, we drafted a third round tight end. That's Hunter Long for you. In just a few short moves in a short amount of time, guys, it feels like we've come a long way from Kyle Pitts. 
And that is very much true <laughs> with the the next tight end we're going to talk about. Notre Dame's Tommy Tremble has a fun name, but put up just 218 receiving yards, no touchdowns as a junior. Do you like Tremble as a prospect, Thor? Uh, and if so, why? What do you like here? Um, I would say that he he's an interesting prospect in terms of um, his floor is at least medium high. And I think he has a, a, a reasonably high ceiling. Um, so even though he's sort of a, an unknown because he didn't get thrown the ball a lot at uh, at Notre Dame, there's there's at least a little there's a little bit that you can dream on in terms of projection. And then there's a special sauce that you can absolutely hang your hat on. The the special sauce is he's an awesome blocker. So we know that he's a stud blocker. He was he was Notre Dame's you know blocking specialist, tight end, et cetera. He is going to be a very good blocker in the NFL. Maybe this class's best blocker. Um, so that's what he's very good at. The big question mark is what is he going to be as a receiver? Notre Dame just didn't really use him as that. They had um, a really good uh, freshman tight end this year, a, a move guy that we're going to be talking about in a couple of years. Um, but that was the guy that they threw all, all their balls to this season. Tremble just never sort of broke through as as a receiver, in part because they always had better receiving tight ends on the roster. Or I suppose some people that don't like Tremble could argue that that he might just not have it. He has struggled to corral the ball in some of his limited looks. So that, you know, that might be an, an alternate uh, theory as well. But, you know, again, going back to the dream thing about him, um, 6'4", 242, a frame to get a little bit bigger, and he's got really good straight line speed. And so when you start doing the dreaming thing, it's like, okay, there, there's not a lot of those true inline tight ends anymore. This kid's going to be a sick blocker. If we can just teach him at least ball skills, he's going to be able to threaten down the seam, if nothing else. And then maybe we can start to teach him other little, you know, route running tricks in there and just sort of add to it. That's how you could put together a player out of Tommy Tremble that could end up being really, really good. If nothing else, again, he's going to be a sick blocker um, and he's going to be a guy that you can move around. Notre Dame did this. Um, not only is he a sick blocker in line, he is also a sick blocker in the backfield, right? And so, you know, obviously there's a lot of one back sets in the NFL, but every team does, you know, some form of, you know, plays where they they got they want a second guy back there. Tremble's a guy you put back there. Was it Degora in the last class or, you know, the, we see guys like this and, and Tremble's bigger than some of those guys, but the, the guys that move around and are, are good blockers, Tremble's sort of a, a more advanced version of that. But we need to see the versatility in, in, in terms of the receiving. But again, he does have that that one skill of, of, of the speed. There is some athleticism there. Just didn't get the opportunity at Notre Dame. That's an unknown. We'll see. But um, he is kind of interesting. I'm curious what you think about him, Hayden. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the production's not there. But this is the the exact profile that, like, if you want to take an upside shot, it's with, with Tommy Tremble. He's 59th percentile prospect in my models so far. Here's the the interesting parts. Like obviously, like not catching too many balls. That's that's a concern. He's also an early declare, which means the NFL told him to come out because his production didn't, wouldn't uh, indicate that he should be coming out early. He's only going to be twenty point nine years old on draft night. He's got the size to grow into that body. To me, this dude had some pretty good athleticism. So I'm very curious to see what his pro day is going to look like. And like you said, it dude, the the, the his tape against Duke. I mean, he was destroying. <laughs> uh linebackers defensive backs he was grabbing corners throwing them to the sideline he would like come around the the backside of the offensive line and just drill defensive ends i mean like really clearing the way 
Um, I do wonder if like him wearing number 24 as a Jersey is like throwing people off. Cause like <laughs> you don't really understand what the heck's going on. He caught like 14 passes for like 200 yards or whatever it is. But when you look at the tape and I hate being this dude, like the, I, I see, I can see why you would be drafting him as a pure upside play in the third round. I think that he has a lot higher ceiling than Hunter long. Um, I, I don't know who's going to get drafted first, but between those two guys and my model suggests Hunter long is going to be better. But when I just like looked at him, I thought that this guy has plenty of a ceiling and some of these, some of these run blocking clips are like truly incredible. Um, and he's not like, he's not like the six, six two sixty five guy either. He's like an average size tight end and just like absolutely going after some kids. So um, the, the, the one thing is just, he's an early declare and he's not even going to be 21 years old when he gets drafted. And those are the type of profiles where like nothing else makes sense, but like the NFL told him to come out when you watch him, you can see like how gifted athletically, um, he is. So he's going to be somebody I'm going to be waiting for his pro day numbers to come out. But yeah, he's, he's the most interesting, um, out of the top three tight ends. I think that there's comfortably those first three and then I would put my eggs in the Tommy Trumbull basket, um, pending these pro day numbers. I'm assuming that they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. And just, you know, one other uh, point to that, I I'm sure that the, you know, he got positive feedback from the NFL when he, when he sought it out just because of, you know, the, some of the things that we're, we're talking about, but one other point I want to make just contextual thing uh, for people, you know, just coming from the, the college football world, you know, I, I made this point when we were talking about uh, Devonte Williams the people were saying that, you know, either Javante Williams wasn't good on third downs or he wasn't a good receiver or, or sort of any of this stuff. I thought that stuff was overblown and, and just outright uh, sort of wrong. You know, Javante Williams was good on on the, you know, the looks he got as a receiver. And then this past season, he'd become their their pass blocker and gotten much better at it. And my whole point was that the reason that you didn't see him as much on third downs over his career is because UNC, just by a, a quirk of the universe, you know, the, I mean, just what a strange program for this to to happen to Javon like in a million years Javante Williams would not have signed with UNC and just it just so happened that they they happen to have one of the best receiving uh, backs we've seen in college football in the last 10 years Michael Carter who I I think is a clone of of Clyde Edwards Elaire um and so because of that it it had nothing to do with who Javante Williams was as a receiver or as a pass blocker it was no indictment of that it was just that you know as a football team you have to put one of the best receiving backs in in college football in the last decade on the field in, in passing situation you don't have a choice the thing with um tremble is you know as, as, as far as notre dame goes that i, I just want to remind people they had a guy named cole Komet uh the last couple of years and then this year um people might not know this name outside of the college football uh, universe yet but you will michael meyer is going to be a very very good tight end prospect and he got a ton of uh targets this past season so both of those guys were you know your more traditional sort of uber stud you know the the, the receiving tight tight end type guy um for that notre dame team uh tremble played a niche and you know again this is this is hard to know because i'm you know we are not at practice and we don't get you know the the, the close up as close up exposure or whatever but there's two different ways to look at this it's either you know the idea of like you know tremble can't do it and he's he's not going to be able to um and you would be looking at an extremely small sample to say that and you know one of the stats you could do it with i believe he dropped five balls on like 20, 20 targets. Like it's, it's such a small sample that that's a crazy troubling uh, stat, but like, it's, it's such a small sample. It's, it's hard to make an indictment off of that. But then the other way you could do it is he never got opportunities because how are you going to make him the receiving tight end over Cole Komet, who is the number one 
receiver uh, last season, and that was sort of his special sauce. And then this year they had, you know, arguably the best uh, receiving tight end in college football, um, a kid who is going to go extremely high in the draft when he comes out um, with receiving being his lead foot. You're not going to throw it to tremble over those guys in those situations. So he dominated in his niche, didn't get to see him as much in the other thing. But, you know, as, as Hayden and I are saying, we know that tremble is fast. If, if nothing else, we're going to have to see the rest of it. Um, it it's going to be interesting when, when someone gets him into a building, trying to teach him ball skills and, and, and stuff like this and, and get him work. Um, just haven't seen it as much, but you know, there's a chance there and you have the other stuff already. So that, that mitigates um, the floor, you know, the, the floor of the bus potential by a ton, because to be honest with you, Tremble cannot bust. I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say that right now because, because of that special sauce of blocking, I mean, he's an A or an A plus blocker as an inline guy. And as a guy that you can move, you know, full back, age back, whatever. It, it's such a special skill. He's going to stick around for at least a decade just doing that. I mean, like, even if he didn't, you know, improve as a, um, as a receiver at all, he's going to stick around on special teams. And as a, as a blocking guy, the differentiation in value is how much can he add as, as a receiver. Um, and that's what Hayden was mentioning as far as, as his profile. And this is the kind of guy you take a shot on. That's why you take a shot on him. It's it, that part of it is a great unknown, but the floor, we, we already have that a bit higher than you might think right because of the blocking thing and then the rest of it may get there may not but it's it's certainly interesting to think about and it, it i i think he's, I, th- I think he's worth the dart throw honestly and I'll, I'll just throw in chase claypool who people who wanted to play tight end he was also at notre dame that's right that's a great uh, point. early on so Tremendous like i mean th- he w- there was some competition and like obviously you, you want these guys being productive in the midst of other competition but notre dame good good team you see it on tape you the nfl told him to come out early he's a he's somebody that i think that's going to outperform my models expectations i think there's some context that we just went over there so uh, i'm intrigued i think it's a top three then him then hunter long and then everyone else was under um 50th percentile in my modeling i'll go back to those guys um before i submit my final rankings but i think it's i think it's these top five guys and i think that we've kind of tiered them out pretty pretty properly backtracking to what hayden you were talking about a few minutes ago thor before the show was hyping himself up watching DeAndre Jordan dunk on Brandon Knight. I think we need to sub in Tommy, Tr- Tommy Tremble's blocking reel as a hype, <laughs> as a hype tape pre-podcast. Post it on Twitter. Go look at it. It's pretty impressive. I love it. Thor quickly, uh, before we move on to the AFC North, any sleeper names people should have on their radar? Yeah, sure. A couple, um, just going down, like, um, you know, maybe three, four spots on the board. Uh, one guy that's sort of interesting is, is Trey McKitty coming from Georgia, uh, was a guy that didn't get as many, um, opportunities during his career. Uh, one of the reasons he transferred to Georgia. Um, but he's sort of interesting in that he, he moves pretty well and he also gets after it as a blocker was a guy that you expected to do better as a receiver. And that was one reason why, you know, his, his transfer to Georgia was sort of inspiring, particularly when at the time you thought that Jamie Newman was going to go there too. McKitty can get downfield, maybe down the seam, you know, that you start dreaming a little bit there and then Newman opts out and Georgia starts Stetson Bennett at the beginning who, who doesn't have an arm. Um, and then, you know, uh, when JT Daniels came in, he was just looking at Pickens all the time. And so it didn't work out for McKitty in terms of that. We didn't get to see that he, he was targeted, like not at all this season, but I don't think, Think that had to do with him a lot, you know, like a truncated off season going to a new team, um, etc. Um, he's sort of interesting to me, just in the vein of a guy who you know has this sort of starter kit, and it's also explainable why 
um, the receiving why it wasn't deployed more like in like uh, a similar guy, although it was a different trajectory because he stayed at his, at, you know, at the same spot his whole career. But what was like Dawson Knox, you know, like coming in, like it was like, you know, we, we knew that he got after it as a blocker and then he that he had some athleticism. Dawson Knox is a better prospect, you know, I'll say as well, but um, that he got after it as a blocker. But like um, we just hadn't seen it, the the receiving aspect of it as much because you shouldn't get um, as much opportunity. So M- McKitty's a guy that I would be interested in. I don't know. You know, it's, it's a similar thing like with, with Tremble. I don't know as a receiver. I, I do know that I. I think he moves around decent enough. So we'll just have to see on, on that account. But I think he's worth uh, taking a shot on. Dylan Soner uh, going a little bit lower down. Soner was in an interesting spot in college because um, Iowa State, uh, they do a really cool thing under Campbell where they started to go after recruiting a bunch of huge tight ends and then, you know, playing a lot of 12 and then doing a lot of, um, you know, different stuff where they could create mismatches. Uh, with the defense, um, they had last season and, and the past two or three seasons, they had three different tight ends that I, I think are going to end up getting drafted. Soner, Soner being one of them. Um, and Soner is a really big kid. He probably could have been able to do more um, in the passing game if it was not for the presence of the other two. Definitely know that he can block and he's a huge kid. He's over 270 pounds. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he tests. And I again, I also think that he was a bit underutilized because of that situation. So, so he's sort of interesting to me, like in the you know, tight end nine to, you know, 13 sort of a range. And then if you want to go like deeper than that, um, especially for fantasy people, us being on NBC Sports Edge, um, a couple uh, sort of move tight end receiving guys late, um, like guys that will be late day three or maybe even UDFAs just to keep an eye on. Uh, Matt Bushman, number one, uh, you you may have uh, seen his work when you're grinding the the Zach Wilson tape. Bushman was at BYU like forever. You know, he's like one of those like guys who's like, you know, 26 or whatever. Um, but, you know, he's the production has been forever. He moves around good, catch the ball, knows what he's doing, et cetera. Um, definitely up the ceiling is, is very, very capped. Um, and he's, he's sort of a receiver only. But um, like I said, knows what he's doing. Reliable. Um, another one is Quentin Morris uh, from Bowling Green. Quentin Morris was one of the best receiving tight ends in college football in, in 2019, and he probably should have used the opportunity uh, this past offseason to transfer elsewhere. Um, if he had done so, I think we would be talking about him as a as a as a guy maybe even in the middle rounds of the draft because he 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 seemed to be a good uh, move tight end prospect at that time. But he stayed at Bowling Green. The MAC obviously had a truncated season. Bowling Green was even worse than usual. They were just an absolute tire fire this year, uh, and Quentin Morris did not have. Uh, a good season, but you know, some of that was outside of his control, just awful quarterback play, um, et cetera. But Quentin Morris is one of those guys, you know, he's on the smaller side as far as height and stuff like that. So, you know, he's, he sort of falls into the phylum of like a, a Jordan or whatever. Um, but as far as a move guy who has proven that he can catch the ball um, and make some plays, pick up yak, et cetera. And a guy who, again, may be, he may be a UDFA, right? He may be like a um, Hunter Bryan from last year. So, like, it, it, as far as a guy like that who could potentially uh, make a roster or or at least be interesting to develop um, as a UDFA, that's a guy that I would look at. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Even though we are well into the NFL offseason, we want to remind you that our premium product subscriptions at NBC Sports Edge cover all sports. So right now you can still get access to NBA, NHL, college basketball, and MLB premium products as the baseball draft guide is now available for 10% off any subscription. Enter the promo code GOOD10. That is GOOD10 for 10% off. All right, we're going to turn our attention to the teams in the AFC North and the areas we think they need to address in the draft. We start with the 12-4 and Pittsburgh Steelers, who we now know will run it back one more dink and dunk year with the 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger. Hayden, what areas do the Steelers need to focus on with their first pick 24th overall? Well, I mean, in a perfect world, it'd be quarterback, but they don't have the cap space or the draft capital to really pull that off. So I think that's going to be more of a 2022 issue. So I think it starts with the offensive offensive line. They have offensive tackle free agents. Um, Alejandro Villanueva um, is a free agent. Their third round right tackle is kind of a fringe starter that they can kind of replace. So I think that's where you have to start um, center. They're, they're, they're like all pro penalty. He retired as well. So you have to clean up that. And then on the Defensive side of the ball, it's corner and nose tackle. And just the way that Steelers, the Steelers are, want to be really aggressive, uh, but their their corners are getting a little bit up there in age. And um, I don't think it's the, the biggest issue. I, I do think that offensive tackle and center, the pressing issues, but I think that um, beyond that, it's it's corner and nose tackle would be the last ones. And then slot receiver. But I, think they, I, I do think they're probably going to want to stick with a three-receiver set, even with Juju leaving of James Washington, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. So I, I really don't think that they're going to address slot receiver or quarterback this year. I think it's going to be the offensive line and then corner and the, then nose tackle. So, I mean, we, Thor and I have mentioned this a couple of times. The offensive tackle class is pretty good. They'll probably be uh, a guy late in the first round for the Steelers to, to pick up. Um, I'm curious if there's any centers, like a first or second round center. Um, I haven't dug into that class yet. Well, Thor, if offensive line should be the first priority, uh, any name that jumps out to you around that 24th pick for a, being a good fit for the Steelers? Yeah, well, uh, one guy, I, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure uh, where he's going to uh, shake out in the first round right now, mostly because uh, there's a huge disagreement, not, not only on who he is as a prospect as far as, as, as his value, but uh, a lot of people also disagree on what position he plays. And this goes to what Hayden was saying, um, that the Steelers need multiple positions. Uh, position fill on the offensive line so he might this guy might be a perfect fit for them uh, where they pick if, if he ends up getting there and that's Rashawn Slater he might might not get there but Rashawn Slater is a guy um, who could conceivably play all five positions so you know if, if you you know you're trying to you think about the Steelers the position there and they're trying to sort of you know thread the needle by sort of running it back one more year and then they're going to go into the rebuild etc Slater could be a really good um, sort of option for that because um, you know, you could potentially, if you wanted to start him on 
um, the interior, um, you know, because the, the, the one question about him um, has to do with length. How is he going to uh, deal with that in the NFL? I, I think that's a bit overblown. However, we know that um, the acclimation process to the inside would likely be easier for him. Um, and so as he he sort of picks up the, the tricks of the trade, um, you know, that, that he would need to transition to the outside or remain there long term, um, you know, he could potentially uh, stay inside for the, the Steelers. So he would offer sort of a mix and match short term, long term uh, type thing there. That would be one guy um th- as far as staying a tackle uh tevin jenkins would be uh you know a guy that could be around there i, I think that would be interesting he- he's a guy who's been uh talked a, a lot of- about he's the guy that i would want i i, I don't know if he's going to be available um but uh, if christian darisaw was there uh from R- virginia tech um that's who who i would like he's just a mauling run blocker Again, I, I'm not sure if he'll be there. Another guy who is um, just sort of screaming up draft boards right now is Landon Dickerson from Alabama. As as far as an interior guy, he, he's a guy you, you take him. He's he's going to be your starting center for the next decade. So um, he he's another guy that they could potentially look Dick, at. Dickerson makes a lot of sense to the Steelers. Kind of like fits that identity. Um, and that, that I think that's one of their biggest holes right now. They need like a one for one replacement. Dickerson, uh, I think medicals are his big thing. I haven't gotten too deep into. But when I was watching the rest of the Alabama guys, Dickerson was clearing some lanes and he's a big dude. So, um, yeah, I think Dickerson would make a lot of sense for the Steelers there. One thing about Dickerson, just as a quick aside that I I love, he, you know, he got, he got injured. I think it was, I forgot if it was the SEC title game or whatever it was, or, you know, maybe a game before it was late in the season. And then he was just like, it was out, you know, he's out for the year, right? Like he, he was just done for the year with that, with that injury. Um, but then he, um, he suited up for the title game. You know, and it was like weird, right? It was like this, like someone tweeted out like Dickerson is suited up for the title game. And it's like, no, he's not. He's he's out for the year, but he was out there on the sideline. He, you know, he suited up and it's like, what, what is he going to play? And then at the end of the game, you know, when when Alabama was kneeling it out, there's like a, a, a snap or two left. Uh, Dickerson goes up to save it and you see him like tug it out his, his shirt. He wanted to go in, save it, put him in. Uh, Dickerson actually got to play in the national title game, even though by any doctor would have said, no, you absolutely will not be on the football field again. He actually came back and got in for the national title game. Jalen Waddle, you know, Alabama's ridiculous. It's not just the the guys they get, but just just the buy-in is ludicrous. Anyway, and, and this goes back to Hayden's point. Dickerson is just an effing warrior. You know, I mean, like people at Pittsburgh would just love that guy. You know, I mean, like talking about a guy that, that that's suiting up with this, this injury. And, uh, you know, cause all he wants to do is just hope that there's a play at the end of the game with a deal down so he can snap the ball one more time. It's just crazy. All right. Well, next up is the Ravens who went 11 and five and had some pretty glaring issues with their passing game. Is that something they can fix in this draft Hayden? And either way, who do you expect the Ravens to target with their late first round pick and beyond? The Ravens most definitely need at least one other receiver. Um, I think they can get away with just having one quality guy, but they need a, a second quality guy because I don't think Mar- Marquise Brown profiles as the number one receiver. I think that he's just like a deep threat speedster. Maybe he improves a little bit, but uh, they really is just Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, and that's it. So I think that a receiver is going to be definitely near the top of their their list. That can either be like a big slot type, like a juju type, or it can be like a traditional X receiver. They can go kind of either way with, with that. So that's good for the Ravens. Um, I think their biggest need is edge rusher. Their top five edge rushers in terms of snaps last year are all free agents. Yannick Ngakwe, Dudon, Bowser, McPhee, and Ward. Um, so, I mean, it's a complete overhaul there. Only like Jalen Ferguson uh, remains there. And he was like a, a 2019 third rounder that was like a boom bust profile through and through. Um, so the entire edge rushing group is completely being overhauled there. So outside of a receiver, it's going to be edge rusher. And then 
the last spot is a uh, offensive guard. And obviously with the Ravens being so run oriented, you kind of got to clear that up, especially because um, Lamar Jackson kind of needs like everything kind of going his way to be like that true pocket passer. And they've got, they've got some like backups, backup level players like offensive guard right now. So um, in, in, in order for me, it's edge rusher, it's receiver, and then it's offensive guard. I think that the top two ones are major needs. And then you kind of get into the secondaries, uh, secondary needs beyond that. Is there an edge rusher you like for Baltimore Thor with where they'll be picking? Well, I would say for me, um, I would just invert those needs. I, I would give Lamar, if, if it was me, I, I would go after the receiver in the first round. Cause how are you going to give Lamar? It's, it's like Hollywood Brown and Willie Steed and like, you know, when they took Hollywood Brown, what, you know, what a strange uh, fit for, for a guy like Lamar, where he's so fabulous and just so many different metrics. Um, and the one thing he struggles with is, is accuracy and placement. And you give him a guy that has the lowest, you know, just as, you know, minuscule catch radius. Um, I would love to see the Ravens get a guy that creates separation consistently and has awesome ball skills, right? Where he is consistently, you know, not, not only catching balls, doesn't drop them, um, but is consistently catching balls outside of his frame. Right. Um, I, I think that that would make Lamar all the more uh, dangerous. Devonta Smith, uh, Rashad Bateman, I think would both be really good fits there. I think like when you, you know, when you think about Lamar and, you know, the, I, I think maybe Baltimore sort of got into this, you know, sort of mode where it was like, oh, he, you know, he's so explosive. And if we just add all these other explosive guys, you know, we'll just be like the most explosive team ever, you know, which is great. But, um, you know, in, in terms of the fit, as far as what Lamar is as a passer, and he is, he is a pocket passer. I mean, like that's what he came up as, you know, in, in the Earhart Perkins system in, at Louisville. Again, but the, it's the accuracy and the placement. He creates so much, as everyone knows, creates so much space. Um, and just because of the tentativeness that he makes in the defense and how you have to come up, you know, and stuff like that, and the, the play action, everything like that. If you had a receiver, again, that was consistently creating uh, separation and then could bail him out on some of the times where the ball is outside side of the frame I think it'd be great and and Devonta and uh, uh Bateman both project really well with that as far as the edge class it's not as good uh of an edge class as as we've seen in in recent years uh Greg Rousseau is the top guy and he's got a really high ceiling um, but he didn't play last year one year wonder he's, he's just like a really long guy that had this a ton of sacks his first year at Miami but he was like a a high school safety and, and some of his production was smoke and mirrors. Um, he doesn't to me seem like a Baltimore Ravens kind of a guy. Then, you know, Quiddy pay is, is like super athletic, you know, and then, and then you get like down to like Jalen Phillips, um, you know, who's a guy who like uh, suffered through injuries for most of his career. Didn't pop off till last year. Um, you have durability issues with him. You might have some dedication issues with him. And then you're already down into like, you know, like sort of like the uh, Aziz Ajilaris and the Joseph Asides and in the Jason Elways. So like the edge class, not only is it sort of devoid of like the stud studs, but it sort of falls off really quickly. So if you're Baltimore, you either sort of have to take the stab immediately at edge or else you're just going to have to sort of, you know, you could do the receiver thing and then you're going to have to pick, you know, some maybe some sleeper guys that you like uh, for later on. Because there are some athletic kids in this class. Some of them have um, th there's some guys that like have character issues, whether it's perceived or real, you know, like a, like a Ronnie Perkins wasn't on the field as much. There's some kids that have, you know, good athleticism and good profiles, but get nitpicked a little bit like Basham. And then there's just kids with wonky profiles. Um, uh, Chris Rump uh, from uh, uh, Duke, the, the, you know, there's a bunch of different things like that. So they could sort of pick their flavor at edge if, if they preferred to wait. 
Cleveland Browns made the playoffs for the first time since 2002, knocked off the Steelers on wildcard weekend for losing a close one to the Chiefs. Hayden, where should Cleveland focus on spending its draft capital? All on the defense side of the ball. Their offensive line's back, their receivers are back, the quarterback's back, their running backs are back. So they are completely set on offense. So it's going to be like one of these are the Panthers last year where like they every single one of their picks was on defense. That You can kind of see that with the Browns this year. It starts at Ed Rusher for me. Their defensive coordinator just wants to win with four rushers. And obviously you start with Miles Garrett. You're well, well, well ahead of the game there. But they don't blitz at all. They're 30th in blitz rate. So that means they got to get the second edge rusher. And right now that was Olivier Vernon last last year. But he tore his Achilles. He's 30 years old. He's going to be a free agent. I don't see him coming back. Um, so they definitely need a second edge rusher um, for the Browns. Outside of that, linebacker, defensive tackle, free safety. Um, they're losing a, a starter at each one of those positions. Um, they don't have too much depth. I, I think that the only spot that they're kind of truly set at is at corner and at, at strong safety in particular. The rest of the positions, defensive tackles, they lo- they're losing Larry Okunjobi. Their free safety, they need like a traditional ball hawking free safety for their uh, single high scheme. And their linebackers are all just like third rounders, fourth rounders. There's not really a, a stone set guy there. So um, the Browns, they, ha- they have some cap space to kind of pluck some of these holes up um, immediately. I, I do think that some players are going to like see the Browns as like a, a team that you can kind of win with and they have the cap space to go with it. So I think that they're going to be able to sign some guys. But yeah, it's going to be one of the situations like the Panthers last year where it's like defensive player after defensive player after defensive player, like all the way down to like the seventh round. Anyone you like there for the Browns uh, take on the defense side of the ball, Thor? Specifically a linebacker. Yeah, so so Parsons will be gone. And the class, it's sort of like edge where it, it sort of falls off kind of quickly. Um, I'm not sure that I like Owasu court. I, I have a hard time with the kid's name. The, the kid from Notre Dame, the 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 safety linebacker hybrid uh, kind of kid. You know, we, we've seen a bunch of kids coming to the NFL recently like that. He's 6'1", 215. Uh, he's a really good player. Um, if if they want a linebacker like that, that's Cleveland uh, Browns fans might break out in highs like the Jabril Peppers kind of a thing. But uh, if they want a guy like that, he could be a guy like that. But he he even might go earlier. He's he's been catching a lot of steam. If you were going to take a, a first round up ball linebacker in that spot, again, Parsons is going to be gone. If there's one dude that I would do it with, it's Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. I think Zayvon Collins is a stud. I was talking with a dude from Tulsa, like uh, or Oklahoma radio or, or something a, a couple of days ago. But uh, I, I was telling him, it's like, um, I don't compare Zayvon Collins to Brian Urlacher. They're not the same kind of players. I, I don't think, but, what is was the same about it was like when you watch Tulsa last year, like I remember back in uh, September, I was watching Tulsa against Oklahoma State. And at that time, it was like Oklahoma State had back Chuba Hubbard, who had just run for like, you know, 2100 yards, just ripped up college football. They had Tylen Wallace back, who had had in, in 2018, just, you know, just gone absolutely bonkers. His whole career had been going bonkers. They had all these guys back on offense. You just thought Oklahoma State was just going to just destroy people this year. And that's what I thought. You know, I, I tuned into that game and I, I just thought I was what I was going to be watching was just fireworks, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Tulsa just punched them in the face just over and over and over and over again. And then you see this just cyborg killing machine, Zayvon Collins, just, you know, going all around the field and just hunting people, right? Like it's just like a different thing. He's, he's enormous. Um, he is very big and he's, he's really mean. Um, like he, he comes for blood and the thing with cons and this is the other thing that reminds you about Erlock, it's, it's both like the, the nastiness thing and the sort of 
the size and the dimensions difference from the, the guys he was playing on the field with, you know, once they, they moved into Conference USA play. Um, but it's also the, the versatility in the way that you could use them. You know, like at, at New Mexico with Urlacher, it was, you know, more like safety linebacker hybrid. Um, with Collins, it was more like edge linebacker kind of hybrid. You know, and, and they like to sick him on people at Tulsa. So they they would send him off the edge a lot. Um, in the NFL, it seems like he's going to be an off-ball linebacker. However, for me, I'd put a dash there because for me, I wouldn't be playing him at off-ball linebacker all the time. I, I don't consider him totally an off-ball. I, I rank him there, but this kid's an absolute banshee coming off of the edge. And he's going to be an absolute banshee sent on the blitz from off-ball linebacker spot as well. And he's also decent in coverage too. And he's great against the run. Um, so like, he's really, really good. Um, if, if there was a guy, you know, I don't know that he's going to get down there. Um, but if, if there was an off ball guy, you know, outside of Parsons that I would want in the first round, it would be Zayvon Collins. The Bengals finished with just four wins in Joe Burrow's first season in the NFL a season that of course ended early due to a torn ACL and MCL. The hope is that Burrow will be ready week one. The Bengals pick fifth. Hayden is the priority here protecting Burrow, giving him another weapon in the passing game or something entirely different. The priority is getting Penny Sewell to fall to them to number five. And if it's between Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell or Kyle Pitts or whoever you want, I would go protect Joe Burrow. Most importantly, they need offensive tackle help. They need offensive guard help. Um, and they, he needs a lot of help. And I, I think that you can get away with using just Tyler Boyd and T Higgins primarily this year. Um, I, I think that T Higgins could be an ex receiver in the NFL. And he, some people kind of questioned that early on, but I think last, last year was like a really bullish season for T Higgins. So I would prioritize offensive tackle and offensive guard. And I think, I think the Bengals are ultimately going to do that. And if Penny Sewell goes to like the Falcons at number four, Maybe you just take the next offensive tackle. I think that's like that desperate of a, of a position. You can't really have Joe Burrow there on like uh, one and a half legs running behind just like the worst offensive line, offensive line in the league. So um, I think it's definitely going to be offensive guard, offensive tackle for the first one, two, three, four, five picks, however many it takes. Because like they, they already went all the way in with Joe Burrow. And I think that you can get away with just Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, Figure out the rest of the the starting receivers and tight ends and all that stuff. Make sure make sure the offensive lines uh, comes correct. So um, it's going to be offensive tackle or offensive guard for the first one or two picks for me. Well, Thor, let's say Sewell is gone hypothetically. Is there another name there that the Bengals could take that's not a crazy reach at five? I agree with almost everything that that Hayden said right there. For me, it's I, I'm sitting dead right on on Penny. But if if Penny's gone, the one thing I disagree with with Hayden on is. For me, if he's gone, I'm dialing up Jamar Chase and I'm bringing it back. It's we're going to do the, the Burrow to Jamar Chase show in the NFL just because like I, I think he's that good of a prospect. And with with Sewell, it, it's weird to me that people are starting to like get off of this train. I for me, that's an obvious pick, um, especially in the Bengals situation. I Sewell is one of the better uh, tackle prospects we've seen like in a decade. So to me, like um, there's a big drop off after that. I, I recognize how much the Bengals need offensive line, but if it was me, what I would do in that circumstance, if Penny goes above me is I would take chase. And then, um, you know, Hayden and I have, have references several times in this podcast. And we, we didn't, I think in the last couple as well, how much uh, offensive tackle depth there is at the top of this class. If I was the Bengals, then I, I would probably, uh, you, you could see the way that the board's shaking out, um, but you might have a really good opportunity to do one of those um, just short trade-ups from the top of round two, which are extremely valuable picks. 
teams love to have one of those picks at the top of the of round two. You could do one of those trades where you trade from there, you know, up to 26, 27, 28, if one of those tackles is falling down the board. And because of how many there are, it seems like like one of them will, right? Whether it's Jenkins, whether it's it's Mayfield, even with some of the people disagreeing on I don't think Slater will fall down that far, but the, someone's going to fall, right? And so, like, if, if it was me with the Bengals, instead of, um, quote-unquote, reaching for someone, if, if, if Sewell's going to tackle at that spot, I'd take Chase, and then I, I would read the board and and try to get my, my tackle maybe with the trade-up. I would also say that, I also think that there's an option just because the other quarterbacks that would be on the board. If Penny Sewell's on the board, that means one of the t- consensus top four, top five quarterbacks are still on the board. And teams like the Panthers and Broncos and 49ers and Washington, those teams are going to be looking, hey, we can we maybe not be able to get up to number three. But we can get up to number five and the Bengals uh, drop down a couple spots. That's when Slater, it, like the, the draft position makes more sense. Then you clean up a, a third round pick. That's where you find you're like Elijah Moore or something like that uh, to round out the receiving core. So I think the Bengals are going to be one of the teams that are definitely potential move, uh, move down, move up teams just because they have so many needs. But I do think if Penny Sewell is on the board at number five, like I really hope they don't overthink it. Just grab your left tackle, um, figure out what you're going to do with Jonah Williams after that and just move forward. Just, just a dovetail off. You could essentially pay for um, a trade from, you know, the, whatever the fourth, fifth pick in the second round up to 26, you know, like 27 type, you could, you could pay for that by trading down three slots. Right. So, so that's another way to, to do it. If, if, if you wanted to, to do it that way. All right, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a moment to rate and review our show as well. Hayden, you're still grinding through the off-season previews. How many left to go? Posting one today and then two more the rest of the week, and then it's free agency, and then I'm getting into the needy-greedies of the NFL draft. So uh, two more. Please check them out. I think they're pretty good. Um, But yeah, outside of that, it's almost draft season for me. Thor, what do you want to mention on NBC Sports Edge that you're working on? Well, I just put out uh, wide receiver rankings last night. Um, I've been in wide receiver world for like the last week. Um, and it was so big, we had to break it into two. I got to like 10,000 words. So hopefully I can get some sleep tonight. So that's out now. And right now I'm working on tight ends. We, we just talked about them now. I, I gave you guys some of my takes, but the, I'll have the full thing out with all my rankings down to uh, 25 or 30 uh, coming on Tuesday. I believe it's it's set to come out of, of next week. The other thing I want to tell people is, in, in addition to this great pod, um, I also have a live uh, Twitch show with NFL agent Lindsey Crook every week. Um, generally, it's going to be on Wednesday nights. This week, it's on Thursday night um, at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, and like I said, live Twitch show. It's also, I guess, uh, I'll send out a link, but it's also on um, Twitter. You can watch like the video on live on Twitter as it goes. But if you can get into the Twitch room, do that because you can type in questions. I, I'm new at this, so my vernacular, as far as this goes, is probably going to sound old man and dumb. But like, I can see that, and Lindsay can see your questions when you're in the Twitch room. Um, and so if you watch it on Twitter, that's cool, you know, certainly. Um, but if you type questions in there, I won't be able to see them. But if you come into the, the Twitch room, you can ask Lindsay questions. And um, tomorrow's episode I'm super excited about because um, there was the IGA of uh, Wilson story recently where, you know, he got traded for a swap of seven, seventh round picks. And uh, Lindsay's agency went after Isaiah Wilson during his process and were uh, in the finalists for him. And uh, Lin- I-, I know from that process, Lindsay had, uh, he had some interesting takes about uh, Mr. Isaiah Wilson and um, he had some interesting takes about him during the last draft process. And 
he had some interesting takes about uh, Mr. I.J. Wilson when that news story came out. Um, and so I promise anyone out there listening that like any good journalist, I will stick a tap into this guy and I will drip him for information. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to get everything I can out of that guy in that show. And if you have any questions about it, uh, feel free to ask whatever you like. Um, and we'll see what what we could get him to reveal to us live on Twitch. All right. Look out for that. You can follow these two on Twitter at Thor Koo, at Hayden Winks. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Hayden and Thor. We will talk to you soon. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 